You honestly think they don't know how to mow their own lawn? Welcome to the Million Dollar Landscaper Podcast. We're your hosts, Scott and Katie Mulchan, and we make it easy to start working on, not just in your landscaping business. We're a real couple that helped grow our family business to well over a million dollars in revenue. And now we help other landscaping business owners just like you to do the same. Are you ready to build your business? Let's get started. Welcome back to Million Dollar Landscaper Podcast. Now, before I get into today's topic, I want to remind you, if you are looking to grow your landscaping business, you want to learn how to price your work based on your business's numbers, not some industry standards or multiplying by two or three, then you need to check out the Million Dollar Academy. Inside the Academy, we have all the tools, all the resources, all the calculators you need to easily figure this out on your own. We make it so simple for you. So definitely check out the Million Dollar Academy today. Now, today's topic, we are chatting with Jake and Cody of Evergrow Marketing. Now, these guys are whizzes when it comes to marketing. And the one thing that I love about these guys, these are data-driven individuals. They want to know the numbers. They're going to share the numbers with you. And this is the data that's going to help prove why you need to do the marketing in the wintertime. That's what today's topic is all about, is marketing in the slower winter months. I know a lot of times we think, ah, we're not getting that much work. Nobody's really looking for this. They have the proof today to share with you that people are looking for landscapers in the wintertime. So sticking around for today's podcast after a quick word from our sponsors. This podcast is brought to you by Busy Busy. Busy Busy is so simple to use and it's the most reliable GPS time tracking app on the market. And the best part is it was built for landscapers. Busy Busy's founder created Busy Busy because he owns multiple construction companies and needed to understand better which projects were making him money and which projects were killing him. Payroll is the highest variable cost in the project, so you better be tracking it. Busy Busy does this better than anyone else. So download Busy Busy today and don't forget to mention the Million Dollar Landscaper podcast to get three free months. We want to take a quick second to tell you about our friends over at Cycle CPA. I can't even express to you how important it is to have a good accountant on your side. You know you want accurate bookkeeping and financial statements every month. Instead, you're often left with limited time to focus on the accounting side of your business and no reports to show for it. At Cycle CPA, the landscaping accountants, they not only handle the bookkeeping, but also provide landscape industry benchmarking, job costing, financials by service line, advisory meetings, and much more. Cycle CPA has a team of landscaping accountants available to provide anything from bookkeeping to CFO services. Visit CycleCPA.com and for $100 off, mention the Million Dollar Landscaper podcast. Welcome back to Million Dollar Landscape Podcast. I'm so excited to bring back on a returning guest. Today we have Jake Hunley and Cody C of Evergrow Marketing. These guys are amazing. These guys create awesome websites and I'm excited to have them back on to share some great information today. So welcome, Jake. Welcome, Cody. Thanks, yeah. Thanks for having us again. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate you guys taking the time to be out here. Today, I wanted to talk a little bit about marketing and not letting up in the wintertime. But before we dive into that, you guys mind sharing a little bit of information about yourself and, and what you guys are all about? Yeah, we're a digital marketing agency that specializes in the landscaping and lawn care industry. If you've listened to this podcast, you've probably heard us a few times, but we really put a focus on data-driven digital marketing and you know focus on the actual amount of leads that come in versus kind of some of those more, what do you call them? 
vanity metrics that's mm. right vanity metrics <laughs> <laughs> we don't care much for impressions yeah it's mostly leads are our main thing that we'd like to focus on trying to be that kind of your guys to to handling your digital marketing so you don't have to worry about it i love it love it these guys have written a bunch of different articles or different magazines you guys mind sharing a few of the magazines you guys have been in yeah, absolutely. Uh, we've been writing articles for other landscape industry magazines since 2018, I think. We did our first couple in Turf Magazine. There's a couple of really good ones in there that are, um, you know, nine tips to market your lawn care business in the winter. And then there's another article I wrote for called um, The Fly-By-Night Guys Are Not Your Competition. There was a Green Industry Pros article. I can't remember what that one was called, but it was along the same lines. And then featured in Lawn and Landscape, but more as like an expert feature or... Um, you know, a digital marketing expert. And then uh, Cody was recently published in Landscape Management. What was it about Google Ads? Yeah, about how Google Ads don't scale linearly like door hangers or yard signs, right? Just kind of explaining the logistics of how the numbers work. But yep, so we've been in that one too. It seems like most of the, we've been in most of them at this point. Nice. <laughs> we've got a, nice. got a new Turf Magazine article coming out in a couple of days. That's for uh, really what this episode is going to be about. Awesome. Good correlation there. Good. Yeah. <laughs> but no, it's one thing I love about you guys. You guys are all about helping and sharing a great wealth of information. So if you guys haven't been to the website, definitely go check out their website. They got tons of stuff on their blog. These guys are always willing to help out and help out our fellow landscapers. So I encourage you guys to go check out their website, reach out to these guys. These guys are great, great people. The other thing I really love about you guys is that you guys are all about the numbers. And like you said earlier about the leads and, and the important numbers. Some other people I've worked with in the past have not done that so well. I've actually got told by somebody that I was personally working with that numbers don't matter, and they, they do. So <laughs> that's, what I, that's what I really love about you guys. That's <laughs> <laughs> the only thing that matters. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like saying profit doesn't matter at all. <laughs> <laughs> but no, today I'm excited to have you guys on here because we wanted to talk about marketing specifically in the wintertime about not giving up on marketing. I know some people like literally shut off all their ads, shut off everything and don't worry about it because they're thinking, ah, it's a winter time, it's slow season. I don't need to worry about that right now. You guys are saying the opposite. Yeah, I mean, it's a decision. It really comes down to your goals. And this is like, I, I never want to kind of blanket say like, you know, you shouldn't shut off your marketing in the winter because if you don't want to grow at all in the spring, then keeping your marketing off in the winter might be the decision for you. But if you want to grow in the spring or have better cash flow in the winter, I know the first knee-jerk reaction to that statement is, what do you mean better cash flow? I can't even deliver on jobs in the winter. Well, you don't necessarily have to deliver on jobs in the winter. You can take deposits in the winter. And there's ways to do that that kind of coincide with marketing. But yeah, it's a common question that we get asked a lot, which is, should I dial back my marketing or shut it off? Or sometimes it's not even a question. It's more of a demand. And that's okay. We're month to month. We always have our recommendations of whether you should shut it down or how much you should dial it back. What I think about this too is I, I always refer back to, I've always heard this, you know, Coca-Cola doesn't give up on their marketing. They're always producing ads, but everybody knows who Coke is, but they mm -hmm. don't give up. It's the same thing here, correct? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's definitely, I mean, Coke wants to grow. They've got stakeholders to keep happy. And mm -hmm. A lot of the guys in this industry are, you know, uh, owner operators. They're just sole proprietors, LLCs. And the only people that they have to keep happy are themselves or if they have employees keeping them employed or, you know, I think a lot of people will do the unemployment thing in the winter. But I would imagine most people, uh, especially listening to this podcast, want to get out of that, that daily grind. And so 
turning things off in, in the winter doesn't quite make sense. And there's a few reasons why. The biggest one always comes down to the end of the year. So we think about when marketing is typically slowed down towards the end of the year, and it's right around November. Like that's when like the last cleanups are happening, at least for the northern clients, the southern landscapers, they, they keep doing things all year round. But even uh, in the north, you have kind of that November, December, January timeframe that just kind of nothing happening. But I always tell like lawn care clients, especially because there's definitely nothing happening in the winter for lawn care in terms of services. However, at the end of the year is also when competitors are sending annual renewals out for their clients. And there's a slew of reasons why someone would want to reevaluate their current contractor. And it, it might not just be they're unhappy. It could just be maybe that contractor was acquired and they don't have that personal relationship with them anymore and they're more willing to look around or maybe there's a rate increase that was higher than what it should have been. You know, there's plenty of other reasons, but the reasons for you to get out there and either conquest those via like door to door or postcards or even, you know, just making sure you have a search budget to where you're discoverable when someone is searching during that time. The mm -hmm. thing is commercial maintenance contracts, a lot of company budgets are reevaluated at the end of the year for the, the new season or the new year. And those are right when those departments are researching for options. Those are just two main reasons why I want to shut it down. There's, there's plenty more, but we can uh, tackle those in a little bit. I think too, there, there's more to marketing than just, I know a lot of people just think it's, it's spending money in some way. And there's other things that can be done to market your business, you know, like social media and, and stuff like that. And like you said, putting out flyers or sending out emails or letters, whatever it is, there's a lot of things that you could do that necessarily cost you money, correct? Yeah, absolutely. You can write articles for your site to help boost your organic presence. Yeah, you can take a page out of Laura Reale, you know, set up an email funnel, keep your current customers and also your past customers engaged. There's plenty more. You don't have to. In fact, we often recommend not to spend what you were spending in like the spring and the summer to, to keep it running. Just dial it back a bit, but don't completely shut things down. Well, we, we work so hard to get those customers during the, the spring and summer and all those months. We need to, you know, make sure we're staying in contact with them. Like you said, sending emails out to them, letting them know what services are, you know, getting their mind thinking about creating a plan. You know, if they want to build that outdoor kitchen, maybe now's the time to start promoting, you know, doing the design service while you're, you're not as busy. So there's a lot of things that you can do that you may not think about. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We just did a uh, benchmarks post recently annual benchmarks yeah just kind of going over what what we see i mean the thing about benchmarks is sometimes people want to publish them as this is the average for the entire industry and it, it's not entirely true right it's the average that we see <laughs> so it's biased towards our way of doing things which is we like to do it because it gives people an idea of what they could expect when working with us but also if they have no idea at all, and we, we do run into that too, where people just have no clue what to expect. And they say, you know, you pay that much for a click? Yeah, clicks are expensive. <laughs> but it's a good idea to, you know, get a pulse for what that'll be like. But actually this year, I was so slow to do it that Jake said, stand aside, I'm going to crush the numbers. <laughs> I did. I'm, I'm taking care of this. <laughs> I crushed your 2020 benchmarks too. Well, so it, it was, yeah, we'd like to get them out in like January, February, like early in the year. So like we can have like an immediate recap of the previous year, but we didn't get to the 2021 benchmarks until this month. 
<laughs> so it's been a little 12, like 12 months behind. Um, but it was extensive. Like we, we went through all of our ad accounts, all of our Google Analytics accounts for all of our landscaping clients, pretty much across the US and broke it down. Like what's the average cost per click? How much does the average cost per lead on Google? You know, how long do people stay on, a, on the page on average? And you know, what's the bounce rate? new versus returning there's just a ton of information in there and there's a chart in there it's called ctr versus cvr it's click-through rate versus conversion rate and this was just something that when we were pulling data i came across and i thought this is like a perfect case study of why you shouldn't shut down your marketing and it's the data shows it in december it shows that basically conversions like leads and clicks are like at kind of the all-time low for the year which is kind of expected but in January, like right starting in January, you have the highest click-through rate out of any month out there. So I broke it down in percentages. And in January, the average click-through rate is 58% higher than the entire year average. So incredibly high. However, the conversion rate is 42% lower than the entire yearly average. So there's a ton of people searching, but not a lot of people taking action in January. What that says is in April, which is the highest converting month, April has a 70% higher conversion rate than any other month, which is expected. But it, it's only like a marginal click-through rate. Like it's not even the best click-through rate or even close to it. So what that means, if you, can, if you, just, if you want to interpret the data, is that people really search in January but don't actually take action until April. And if you see a general uptick in call volume in like that March and April timeframe, even though you're not doing anything in January, that's probably expected, but you're probably not gonna see a 70% higher return. You might see like a 30% higher return or a 40% higher return. So if you're not marketing in the winter months, you could be missing a huge opportunity that was searching for you in January, but decided not to take action until April and then reach out to the company that they had actually engaged with. So just so everybody knows, I'll put the link for that uh, benchmarks that Cody and Jake put together. I'll have that in the uh, show notes for you guys too. So make sure you click on that. It's full of fun information there. So having that knowledge there, what can we do to help market our business? Going back, just doing the blogs or is there ads or what, what do you suggest on this? We can give you really good ideas on what we, what we do with our clients for what we suggest, especially related to ad spend. A lot of our clients end up dropping ad spend. They usually ask us what they should do, whether they should completely drop it and wait or continue to spend it. And for us, it doesn't matter whether they drop their ad spend or not because we still did the SEO over the winter and increasing their ad spend doesn't necessarily mean it increases our profit margin at all. It really doesn't. So we just say, hey, here's where the opportunity is. If you want to drop it, that's fine. But there are like some rules that we usually follow during the winter in, reg in regards to like dropping ad spend or considering that. But I've been talking forever, so I'll let Cody talk about <laughs> ad spend in the winter. <laughs> yeah, I think the simplest way to think about it is that, I mean, Scott, you're talking about the other marketing tactics that people can use, and a lot of them are awareness based, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, calling attention to things so people are aware when the time comes to kind of make those decisions. I think of it similar to a lot of the tactics and techniques that real estate agents use, because I remember one time receiving a, it was a fridge magnet. It had like a calendar and it had, a, it was from a realtor. And I just thought, well, this has really nothing to do with realty. And 
that's the point is when you have something like that for them it's not to be there right when you're making that decision it's to be in their mind when the time comes so you, you do have those techniques but the nice thing about search is that the only time you're showing up is when people are looking for you and if people aren't looking for you then you don't need to worry about it so when we get to winter we see demand shrink no doubt right that's not a surprise everybody would expect that but the thing is that it doesn't go to zero and what happens is other people there's this thing called auction insights we're able to see other advertisers who are going against our clients in the you know google's auction for search ads and they'll drop off they'll just disappear so that means less competition at those times to still show up because people are still searching yes not as many like jake said they're not pulling the trigger but they are in research mode and you're going to be in their brain when the time comes in the spring and they start looking again too so the big thing is that we see the demand it's still there we do tell people sometimes we'll proactively say hey you got to drop your ad spend right your we call it an impression share which is basically the total number of impressions that you could receive an impression being a, a time when your ad is shown you know, it shrinks because fewer people are searching for those sorts of things. We aim for typically up to 65% uh, impression share. And that's because once you start going above that mark, that's when Google starts to eat your money, starts getting lit on fire. And it's just not cost effective, usually. Of course, we do have the exceptions where guys say, I don't care. I want to be there 100% of the time. <laughs> and yeah, if you want to pay $30 for a click, right? If, if you do want to get into that uh, because it's ego thing, that's an option. It's not really cost effective to do that. Yeah, the majority of the time anyway. So it, it does happen. The demand is there and it's important to be showing up. That's what that's. So when the winter comes, reduce it, bring it down and kind of find that sweet spot of, well, how do we keep showing up? because we know that people are searching what's a healthy impression share to kind of stick to at that point also considering what your marketing budget is and then once you know spring comes back around and then the impression starts it starts to grow again because people are searching and demand is starting to increase again you can move again with it so it's not one of those things where we say you know you should spend the same amount because we want to make the same amount of money we don't care <laughs> it's, we don't operate like that it's not how we run things but yeah as far as ads go i think that's some of the biggest stuff to know so one thing, if you can elaborate on for those that are listening, when you say search, are you talking, you know, people are typing in their, their company name or are they searching for specific topics, you know, whatever their needs are? Do you mind elaborating on that a little? Yeah. And I'll make another plug for the article that we just published right before the benchmarks one, which is we go into landscaping keywords and kind of like good tactics and good techniques on how to target those. But usually, I mean, yes, people are searching for your brand name or your competitor's brand name, but a lot of your biggest keywords are just going to be your service category, which, you know, a lot of the time is just landscaping, right? People are looking for landscaping services, landscaping companies, that sort of thing. And then probably your location too, or some of your top cities or, or neighborhoods that you serve. That combination, it's fire. I mean, it's dynamite. If you go after your top services and then your top locations, Sorry, did I answer that right? <laughs> so how would you like, like, I, I understand if, uh, you know, they're searching for landscaping near Atlanta, Georgia, or whatever it is, that is important. But other key terms, like, you know, uh, if you do outdoor kitchens or irrigation or sprinkler repair, mm -hmm. or landscape lighting, do you want to have those ranking? And how, how do those get ranked? Is it based off your website or mm -hmm. ads? Very good point. So that's another reason why people should read 
that post <laughs> because we could, I, I don't want to, I don't want to be that guy who's like, just read our stuff, yeah. shameless plug. <laughs> but so that's something that we hear other people talk about a lot is they'll get into very specific services that they want to promote. And again, the way that search works is you don't get to decide those things. You don't get to make people search for certain things. And some of those things are good to target with SEO because most people don't click on ads. I tell people all the time, I'm the ad guy, but I tell people, if you look at the numbers, statistically, more people don't click on ads than people who do click on ads. So when you think about that, anything that you target with an ad has to be pretty substantial with the amount of people that are searching for it. So now that's different from the user experience. You should have those things available and shown on your website so people know that you do them. But more often than not, at least with ads and with Google, people will search for a general category with something in mind. I use a, a gym example often where if you want to join a gym, you usually have a good idea of what kind of gym you want to join, but you don't search for that. You pretty much just search for gyms near me, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Something that pretty broad and you'll narrow it down. You'll sort it out from there based on the information that you find out. I'm ashamed to say that it's been a while since I've been to the gym, but you know, I'm not a treadmill gym guy. I like the weights. I like free weights and that sort of thing. So, but you don't search for that. And the same thing applies with landscaping a lot of the time too. Uh, and one example that we use in the article is hardscapes. Everybody loves hardscapes. Everybody wants to sell hardscapes, no doubt, right? Those good jobs. They can be big money jobs. That's awesome. But when it comes to the average person, many of them don't even know that there's a difference between yep. hardscapes and landscapes. They're just going to say, well, I need landscaping. And then they, they're going to say, well, yeah, you, you do outdoor kitchens, right? You do, you do fireplaces. So that's landscaping. It's like, well, no. But as far as the general category goes, yes. So have those things on your website. Make sure that the information is available. But the demand and what people are searching rarely goes that narrow. We do have our own internal list of categories that do get you know kind of that detailed. For example, tree services in general, people do get that specific, you know, tree removal, stump grinding, that sort of thing. But some of them are a much bigger stretch to try and make work or try and make happen. Yeah. Fertilization is one of those. Mm -hmm. Nobody searches for fertilization companies. They just search for lawn care. Yeah. Yep. And so it's one of those reasons why we don't have like a fertilization ad group in our ads. We use it as a service call out extension for our lawn care ads. Now, I know we've been talking a lot about Google. Do you guys recommend Facebook ads too? I know you're not a huge fan of Facebook, but yeah, uh, we're a fan of Facebook if you're if you're maximizing your your Google opportunities and you're in your what I call the budget neutral marketing mm -hmm. options. So those are like your emails and your I guess technically door to door isn't really budget neutral if you're giving out door hangers. But yeah, we still we do recommend Facebook. It's just um, it, you should definitely be prioritizing search ads on Google in your SEO because those are lower funnel. It's it's higher ROI. If you want kind of any opportunity and you're not really worried about fielding calls, then Facebook is a really good option to promote. So what we usually see is a lot more activity and a lot more leads coming from Facebook. But it's where 80% of the leads that come from Google are great where 20% of the leads that come from Facebook are great. And it totally depends too on the service you're offering. I mean, the leads might be better for regular lawn maintenance versus what you're trying to sell, which is like landscaping projects. Typically people who come from Google have a higher expectation in terms of what to pay for that. You know, I, I always use the analogy on Facebook where it's, if I get marketed a landscape redesign, like, I don't know, free consultation or whatever, like that's the offer. I never thought, oh, maybe I do need a landscape renovation. 
<laughs> and then like contacted somebody about it. I, I've already thought about this previously. So I'm already technically in market if I actually do want this service. And your Facebook ad didn't convince me that I need it. That's why another thing with Facebook ads, it, it, they're really the most effective when you can bundle it with an offer and like 10% off of an annual plan or maybe your first uh, treatment free or with a landscaping, it could be 15% off or something like that towards your next landscaping, which is something we actually recommend if you're going to do winter promotions to increase cash flow. And by that, I mean, we all know cash flow is super dry in the winter, especially for the northern businesses, but you can get people on the schedule for spring in the winter if they're willing to do or take like a deposit initially during the winter or just schedule out if you do maintenance for instance just schedule out the plan and then have that uh, winter cash flow to keep things going then and then your schedule is full in the, in the spring already and then uh something what we're trying out right now is actually next door ads it's kind of on the down low but we're gonna we'll give your audience the, the heads up <laughs> on the down low hey, everybody on the podcast we're testing this out uh there's a difference between next door and i feel like some people just rolled their eyes because uh, with uh, with the next door, typically business owners can only target within like a certain radius of their actual business location. Agencies have a little bit different. So we've got an agency rep where we actually have the same targeting capabilities that Facebook has. We can target people based on interest, any zip code they're in. We can target by demographics. And then we can even dynamically generate like the actual neighborhood that somebody is in in the ad text. So we're testing that out. We're, uh, we're hopeful with it, but... Those opportunities are great. I just, we always recommend Google first and then move out. But you'd be surprised too. There are, it depends on which location you're at. We have a client in uh, Northern Texas who spends 600 bucks a month in Google and his impression share is right at 60%. He's already ready to go to a different platform. We've got other clients in the Northeast who are spending $3,000 a month in Google and they're just hitting the 60% mark. So it really depends on your market and the amount of volume out there. Well, I think that's a good point. Like you said earlier, we're talking a little bit about like commercial accounts. You know, if that's the type of business you need to do, you need to really consider where you're going to be placing these ads. You know, you may not be able to get commercial work off Facebook or Nextdoor perhaps, but Google ads might be a better option mm -hmm. for you. So it's kind of really knowing your your audience and your target audience, I should say. Yeah, absolutely. And even then, like if you're only doing commercial, that's even trickier because even commercial users aren't necessarily searching for commercial in their keywords. Mm -hmm. um, so you could have a relatively low cost per click, but you could have really high cost per acquisition because the way that you target and get someone to click is different than the content you feature on the site and get somebody to actually contact you. Facebook can still be a, a commercial acquisition channel. It's all, it comes down to messaging because at the end of the day, the people who run the commercial accounts probably also have a Facebook account and you can target them. You know, there's unique list uploads. If you've got a list of businesses or um, especially companies in your area, you can upload that list to LinkedIn and then create a, a campaign just targeting people at those companies mm -hmm. just to get in front of them. Yeah, there's a lot of mediums to consider. That's why Google is mostly just kind of the one where you don't have to figure out who the audience is. All you got to do is be there when someone searches for you, mm -hmm. which includes the winter. So I know we've been talking a lot about like the ads and, and different places to promote your business, but what about your website? Should the landscapers be thinking about redoing their website or creating a website if they don't have one already? Is this the great time to do this? Creating a website, yes. If you don't have one, this is like the perfect time to do it. 
the perfect time to do it was a year ago, but <laughs> the reason why it's the perfect time now, I've said this before in this podcast too, but, but Google even says it takes four to six months to rank in the top portions of Google. But it also depends on area too. We have a client in Colorado who took a year to rank. It took that 12 months because it just there's so much competition. We've had clients rank within two weeks of launching their site. It really depends on the context or the area, but Google still says four to 12 months. We usually say like three to six. So if you start now, by the time March and April hits, you might be in a, a fairly decent spot to capitalize on some of that traffic. Maybe not as much as you would like, but by the time the next March or April rolls around, you'll be in a much better position mm -hmm. for sure. As far as maintaining a site or redoing it or something like that, um, a redo isn't always necessary. We usually don't recommend redos of a site for, you know, you can keep your site for about five years and then maybe it's time to upgrade. But keep the content coming. There's been some huge Google algorithm updates a lot, like almost like a record setting amount this December. Well, I guess like August or December. Well, it seems like they've been going after. I mean, they've had... Not local businesses as a hit list, but <laughs> local businesses have been a casualty. Of All their algorithm updates <laughs> recently just happened to have like affected local businesses yes. like landscapers yeah. lately. Like it depends on who you are, but most of the industry is saying it's been affecting them negatively. It hasn't affected any of our clients. And that has a lot to do with different practices we have. We have an episode on your podcast where it's like, the ultimate SEO guide. We talk about mm -hmm. like bad SEO practices. I would listen to that one. And those are the things that we don't do. It's almost a warning. We talked about on the podcast about like doorway pages and things like that. And those are the things they went after in like August and December of this year. So like it was just by chance that we predicted it and then it happened. But as far as those algorithm updates, the whole reason bringing that up is because they're now they're focusing on, well, I think I'm making another prediction. They're focusing on a thing called EEAT which stands for experience, expertise, authoritativeness, and trustworthiness of the actual uh, author of the site and the content. So when you go to like a, a publication site and you see a blog post or an article or something and it's written by a specific author, that author holds the EEAT signals with Google. So when that author writes something, in theory, the content that that author writes gets ranked higher because that author is credible. So this is something you see Cody and myself doing a lot with publications like Turf Magazine. And then I was just published in searchandland.com, which is basically the Forbes of SEO about these Google algorithm updates, actually. So our content gets ranked pretty high because we're authoritative figures in the space. So with our clients, we do the same thing with them. When we write content for them, we put it in their voice. We make sure that their expertise gets added. And then we also make sure that we have credible links and sources and things like that. So if you're in the winter and you've got some time, really educate your client base about the different things you do. Maybe you want to write a blog post about how to build a retaining wall like from the ground up and write it as if you were training a new employee, like you were writing a manual on how to do this. I think that's a great point. I hear from people that, well, I can't put that kind of stuff out there. My competition's going to... Their competition <laughs> knows it. Like They can go anywhere and yeah. search for this stuff. Like I don't get freaked out about that kind of stuff. Like. Yeah, I mean, our whole shtick with Evergrow is that uh, no one has access to all the data that we have. So we can give you like our yearly benchmarks, but all we're showing you are like general cost per clicks and cost per acquisitions. If anything, our competition only sees that as a goal to attain, but they don't know how we're doing it. Cody posts things about uh, out there like uh, landscaping keywords to target. And then he also has a blog post on there about how we run our Google Ads accounts. 
And they're very generalizations, but it still takes some kind of digging into and figuring out really the minutiae of, of all of it. And you can't just replicate it. And even if your competition could replicate how to build you know, the retaining wall, you're giving a generalization about how to build it. There's going to be unique situations with every application you do um, that only you, know, you should have processes to remedy. I think it's a classic case, too, of overestimating your competition and underestimating yourself, right? I mean, if you're publishing that information like, oh, you know, my competitors are going to steal this or use it. Are they? Really? Because <laughs> in general, <laughs> my experience is that people are relatively lazy and the yep. things that they care to do or take advantage of, you know, I'm much more willing to bet on myself for somebody else. So I think sometimes people just need a reminder that, you know, we give a lot away for free, a lot of information that, yeah, seriously, go do it. If you were that motivated, and you're actually going to do it, awesome. I'm stoked. Like, let us know. And we've, we've had that before where people said, I did this and it worked. And we're like, yeah, of course it did. That's what we do. Like, we told you exactly <laughs> what we do. So if you actually do take the time and the effort, and I think that's, I guess, another thing that I, I think about often when, you know, Jake's like, hey, we're going to do another podcast with Scott. And I'm like, yeah, that's, I'm excited. But I also think about who's listening and, and what position they're in because there's, there's kind of like levels of what you would care to do yourself or what you care to hire out. And a lot of this stuff does ultimately depend, like, especially the winter things. Are you doing this yourself or are you looking to hire it out? Because if you're in the position of I'm a small solo guy, I haven't yet broken six figs. I've got downtime in the winter. What am I supposed to do? Well, you know, if you're, let's say you just got to the point of you can leave your day job and you're making just barely enough to make the jump, but you're still scared, build yourself a single page site. That's not the worst thing you can do. It's not. I mean, we're, we're not supposed to say, <laughs> we, of course, we want people to come to us, build elaborate, sophisticated sites that are built to rank and that sort of thing. But if you're telling me you have nothing and you're going from zero first and you've got this downtime because you're the one who has the time, that's a very different situation from, you know, I'm getting close to half a mil. I don't have time anymore to do these things. In fact, my winners are, are tied up dealing with paperwork because we're getting ready for tax season and all this stuff. And I know that we have to deal with this. That's a very different mindset and situation than the first group, right? Mm -hmm. And then in those situations, it's not worth your time. To, 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 you got to outsource that sort of thing because you're going to drown under the weight of all your responsibilities. So anyway, kind of side it. But no, that's a great point. I want to make sure that people hear that too and don't get confused because we're going to go into some of the nerdy stuff like we're talking about. But if you're not even there, then don't worry about this yet. <laughs> yeah. Well, going back to your point about the writing the blog post about building and retaining wall. I can personally relate to this. I used to do, uh, we called them build a pond days, where I would actually go out and show the public how to build a pond. And, you know, it'd be a scaled down version, but we'd actually have, you know, we'd go to a hardscape supplier, we created a pond there, and we would spend the whole day building a pond. And some of the people are like, why are you doing that? You know, you're showing your customers how to do that. What I found was they would come, people would come attend these things, this event, and they'd see how much work it is. They're like, oh, I don't want to do this now. Like it's <laughs> way harder than I thought. It's way more complicated. So they didn't want to do this. So they ended up hiring us because it, we became the expert in this because we showed them how to do it. Mm -hmm. And it was just those simple things. So the same thing with creating that blog post on how to build a water feature, how to build a retaining wall, whatever it is, it makes you look as the expert, whether you know, you're know you just beginning or not, you're showing up in front of that customer where the, your competition may not. So take advantage of this time and, and write those blog posts. Well, I always found it weird too, because like 
a lot of uh, people I've talked to who are in the landscaping industry offer maintenance as a service. And they ask me, why would I post how I do things on my website? I want my clients to pay for me to do it rather than do it themselves. And I was like, you honestly think they don't know how to mow their own lawn? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, it's not about whether they know how to do it or not. If they want to learn how to do it, they're going to find out how to do it, whether they mm-hmm. learn it from you or not. Yep. And you just better hope your competitor doesn't have it on there because the minute that they decide that they no longer want to do this anymore or it's too much work or they just don't have time, they're going to go to who gave them the free information. Mm-hmm. And we're very much like that. I think we've talked before where every time that we share an insight into your group, or like someone asks a question, and then we just answer it as thoroughly as possible. The people who end up reaching out to us after those comments are never the people who pose the question. It's always people who are just reading comments. And shout out to the lurkers. Yeah. <laughs> we love yeah. the lurkers. I don't I don't think I've ever engaged with somebody and then like them reach out to me and say, like, do you just want to do this for me? Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, you're always going to have those DIYers, those people that want to do the stuff themselves. I'm sure you guys run into it with websites, but you are looking for those customers that don't want to do it or don't have the time to do it or just don't have the energy to do it. So same thing here. Just spend the time creating the website, creating the Facebook posts, the social media posts, the blog posts, all those types of things. It's all important. Yeah. And now's the time to do it. Yeah, We don't really want to be seen as like, the people that you need to go to. You want to be seen as the industry experts. And if you want to go to us after recognizing that, great. But I, I think my biggest pet peeve is when we get new clients, and they, or not new clients, but new prospects, and they immediately tell us what they want us to do in terms of their SEO. It's like, we're the experts. Like We can give you our input, but if you don't want to take it, that's okay. My question to you is, why are you trying to hire this out then? Mm-hmm. You know, if you don't have the time, great. We're month to month. If you don't like how it works, you're free to leave. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, that's a lot of the reason why we give a lot of the free advice that we give is industry experts first, and then the acquisition comes second. I love that. So is there any other reasons that you guys can think of that we didn't mention so far on why you'd want to market your business in the wintertime? Um, I think we've pretty much covered all those reasons. Uh, to recap what those reasons are, though, is... It gets those, uh, those com- just remember those commercial accounts are searching in the winter. Your competitors are doing annual, if you do maintenance, they're doing annual uh, renewals around November time. So it's a good time to sneak in there. Mm-hmm. The data shows that people heavily, heavily search in January or have high intent in January, but don't convert until April. So um, there's a lot of opportunity to get in front of people who are actively searching but then convert them at a later time. It's a little bit of a delayed gratification. But if the data isn't proof enough for you, you can still increase <laughs> cash flow in the winter by offering services for the spring or spring schedules at a discounted rate. One thing we did with one of our clients, we actually referred them to a company called Inside the Box Marketing. They do postcards, similar to kind of like SendGym and things like that. But it's more of kind of like um, a mass distribution. And uh, what you do is you offer like a and you can do this through SendGym or you can do this through any provider you you want but you offer a discount for you know let's say you're doing maintenance you offer uh 10% off the season or you offer the first month treatment for free just with the assumption that they'll do the rest of the treatments if they switch providers to you but you send that in November like early November mid November for the following year and you get it in there before your competitor sends out their annual renewal you know maybe maybe 
a competitor isn't at the address that you sent it to, but for the ones that are, um, you're either going to get a switch or you're going to get new client acquisition. I call that uh, conquesting. I like it. That's a good idea. <laughs> yeah. You do the same thing with Facebook ads, uh, same thing with email, but uh, just really good opportunities to get new clients, even if they're, you know, quote, locked into a competitor or something. Was there anything you guys wanted to add that we didn't go over today? I think we covered a lot here as far as why you need to be promoting your business in the wintertime. I don't think, God, these 40 minutes go by so fast. I know. Like, <laughs> I feel like, I feel like I've been on it for like 20 minutes and here we are. But no, I think, uh, I think that covers everything. I'm sure there's more I mentioned, uh, in that turf article that, that gets published here soon. And, um, you know, we might be able to include that in the show notes mm-hmm. too, just so people can, can look more on, uh, winter marketing ideas. No, I appreciate you guys taking the time to come on here and share all this, these wonderful ideas. Mind sharing a little bit how people can get hold of you and, and find a little bit more about Evergrow Marketing? Yeah. Uh, if you guys just visit evergrowmarketing.com, it's all one word. You can uh, take a look at kind of how we do things, what our services look like, um, read more about our team. Even on our about page, there's a section for why you shouldn't work with us. It's my personal favorite section. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so counter to what everybody else has on there. And then, uh, yeah, you can uh, fill out the form, give us a call on our number or at our email on the site, and uh, we'll be happy to uh, talk with you. I love it. Again, thank you, guys. I appreciate you being on here today. Um, You guys got a few moments for some fun questions? Absolutely. This is my favorite part of the podcast. (laughs) Let's do it. All right. So when did you guys know that you want to take an entrepreneur path? Ooh, um, Jake first, because I feel yeah. like he's more confident with this. 2017. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> Very specific. <laughs> I just, yeah, I remember. So I, I had, I've always wanted to take, well, that's not necessarily true. I've always wanted to start a lawn care business. My dad and I talked about it when I was, you know, 18, 19. This never happened. I got into the marketing world. That's where I met Cody at an agency we worked at together in Iowa. And then I moved to Kansas City in 2017 it was for a uh, kind of an inside sales job but i was also like the marketing quote unquote director which just meant i was the only person in the shop who knew anything about marketing <laughs> and uh i was missing the marketing i was doing at the agency that i was at in iowa so what i decided to do is start evergrow actually it was just a dba and it was it looked nothing like what it looks like now <laughs> uh so i like to say that Evergrow started in 2017, but it didn't really start until 2019 when Cody and I partnered up. And uh, I think in 2017, that was like when I started my business and I was like, this is what I want to do because now I don't have a boss and I can make the agency that I love working at, but not as toxic as like the the actual agency world really is. (laughs) I love it. What about you, Cody? That's a tough one because I think that so I've been doing local lead generation for nearly a decade at this point. So it was very easy to focus in on landscaping and lawn care just because that's the category. But I've actually, like Jake said, we were at an agency, we were doing automotive. I've done banks and credit unions. I mean, there's very few local businesses that I hadn't done because I'd spent so long in the agency scene. But it wasn't, I was never the guy who was like, yeah, I need to go start my own thing. It was just more so. I think the longer you spend in there, the more you realize... Uh, it'd be better if we did it this way. This would be a lot more convenient. And the more, more I experienced that, the more, I guess, over time I built confidence. And then once I had Jake, 
uh, just the the courage and the confidence to say, yeah, well, let's go try it entirely where we call the shots and we do things how we want to be doing it. So, yeah, I don't I don't know if there was a particular time, and and I think I could even still, you know, in the right circumstances, um, I guess go back and be less happy, undoubtedly for sure, but. <laughs> Yeah, I guess I don't know the time, but that's what kind of drove it was let's do this entirely on our own and see how it goes. Well, yeah, we have our own podcast about being agency owners. And we're just talking about this, actually. I asked Cody if he was happier working at another company or if he was happy owning an agency because you definitely work more now. (laughs) But no doubt you you said you said, yes, you like owning the agency and um, but it's not like exponential. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> yeah i always joke around it's a it's a 55 45 for me uh, and, and that five percent is always controlling your time that's what it always comes back to is yeah i can if i need to go take care of something i can i'll stay up until 11 working to make up for it but that's worth it that that alone is what makes it worth it nice i love it all right this one's called this or that would you rather have a phone call or make a phone call or text and why Oh, well, we're both going to say the same thing. I think. <laughs> well, it depends. Like, are we trying to get money or are we trying to? <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll say overall in general. Uh, I still rather text. I, I, I don't, I don't know. I feel like I'm going to shoot myself in the foot saying this because I don't necessarily like talking on the phone, but that's literally all I do all day. <laughs> I don't mind receiving a phone call. I'll put it that way. I don't okay. mind receiving a phone call at all. I will answer that and we'll talk for, you know, an hour. But I don't like making calls. I just mm. like shooting a text because then I can like fire it over, respond to it when you get to it, and I can work on something else. Yeah, I could rant hard about this for sure. Uh, <laughs> I hate phone calls. I, I say that. Okay, I hate phone calls. I do. Because maybe the reason, the reason that Jake said, when it's a message, people can respond on their time. So unless, you know, it's mutually, we generally, we communicate via written messages and then we schedule time together when we need to. And that just makes sure that everybody's on the same page as opposed to like, I think phone calls can be, you can disturb people's time when they're focused on something and then they get back and they're like, ah, I got to get back into this and all that. But I say all that and then I'll say, you know, what's worse than a phone call is a text message that should have been a phone call. Right. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I don't, don't send me, you know, three pages of of text, (laughs) right? Like that's, that is worse. Just call me. Right. Yeah. Let, let's be efficient. I just won't respond to it. <laughs> <laughs> just well, like, like this should have been a phone call or an email. Like, I'm not going to read all this on my phone. Yeah. yeah. Or it's, there. I see all that. And I'm like, can I call you? <laughs> okay. Let's just call. <laughs> all right. Last one. What is your favorite piece of technology? Oh, oh man. Um, I'll say this for your son, Scott, uh, my paintball gun. <laughs> but aside from um, nerdy stuff, uh, well, just kidding. It's still nerdy. Probably my computer. I've been getting I've been getting really into web development lately, like actual coding and uh, working on uh, HTML, CSS, SQL, JavaScript. And uh, it's been like fun, which I don't know what that says about my personality. <laughs> and I'm like, I feel like I'm turning into Cody. Great. That's, that's real nice. <laughs> it's the worst. Uh, but I've also I've also been I mean using my computer to learn Spanish as well. So I'm two months into that. So I'm gonna have to see my computer because that's just where I'm at all day. Nice. How about you? I will say I use a trackball mouse 
and that's a very nerdy thing uh and i love it actually i i've had wrist pain for years i became i'm left-handed now with a mouse because i had so much wrist pain with my right hand so i switched to a trackball and now i'm lefty and people see it at my desk all the time they're like what is that what's going on like (laughs) it's weird i know it's weird i'm weird but i can work so yeah it's probably my favorite and uh i keep to myself because people get very confused when they see it nice i'm (laughs) impressed you can go from right to left and like that with track oh it was terrible yeah it was not a good time it was uh it was probably three weeks of just because not only are you switching hands but then because it's if anybody doesn't know what a trackball is it's like um imagine like a a small billiard ball right like a pool ball and then you're using your your fingers to move it as opposed to moving your whole hand with the mouse so everything now becomes really hard to like put the cursor where you want it to go so you have the double issue of well i can't even get it where i want it to go now i'm doing it with my left hand so i feel like a three-year-old with crayons so. <laughs> anyway, every time i come to cody's house i always sit because he's got like an indented keyboard that's like a very ergonomic and it's just it's super weird mm. and so like every time i come to his house i sit at his computer and i pretend to be him <laughs> and i just say like uh well jake we can't spend money there uh. <laughs> no but it, it, the setup is just so ergonomically like set up that I, I i my body can't my brain can't function <laughs> I, I don't have to worry about anybody like hacking or stealing because i mean if they they deserve it if they can come in here and work <laughs> this thing then whatever they did good job because this took me years to get used to it's weird yep. my mom has one of those keyboards i can't type on it it's like terrible like oh really i'm not a fan of it i don't know mm-hmm yeah Yeah. <laughs> i have a nice uh flat gaming keyboard and i will use it until i get arthritis is it a very loud <laughs> clicking one? It is. It's yeah. um, the uh, the MX Cherry Blues for any of our gamers out there. So it is the loudest. We've both got mechanicals. It is, yeah. yeah, it is the loudest. I, I, it sucks for podcasts. I've got to mute my mic every time I type something in. <laughs> I, can, I can see that. <laughs> my son has, I'm not, doesn't have that one. He has like the second, I don't know which order it is, but it's pretty loud. It's, it's next oh. to our bedroom, so I'll hear him like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, it's probably like i think it's like a red or something i'm actually red you pop a keycap off the color underneath the keycap is indicates the the loudness of it essentially and yeah. mine's blue but browns are like one of the quietest and i i want to switch to that i was gonna say i have the supposed silent they're not but they are probably compared to jake's oh this is uh, i mean you can boy. hear it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> mine's very loud <laughs> Oh yeah, nice. All right, guys. Well, it's always a blast talking to you guys. I appreciate you taking the time to be on the show again. Guys out there listening, make sure you guys continue to market your landscape business in the wintertime, no matter what. Like Jake and Cody said, maybe you have to cut back on your spend a little bit, but there's other things you could be doing to promote your business. And I encourage you to do that. If you guys have any questions, feel free to reach out to Jake and Cody. Get hold of Evergrow Marketing. These guys can help you take your business to the next level. So I encourage you guys to check them out. Thanks again, guys. I appreciate you being on here. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Scott. Thank you. Appreciate it as always. Yep. See ya. Hey, everyone. Just want to thank you again for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's podcast, we do ask you for one quick favor. Could you please head over to iTunes and leave us a review? A five-star review is even better, but it helps us get our rankings up and help us spread our message. 